go big. So today we're going to look at going big in forgiveness. And this is, this is a difficult subject. Forgiveness is, is tricky because if you were to look up the word forgive in the dictionary, you would see that the definition is to cease to feel resentment against an offender or to cancel a debt. And this is a very clinical and sterile definition because if you've ever experienced true forgiveness, you know that you're experiencing this this supernatural power that is so incredible, your entire life is changed. So that's why talking about forgiveness is, it's, it's really, it's a strange thing, but I like to demonstrate this by looking at the life of Corey Ten Boom. And some of you may be familiar with that name. Some of you maybe have studied her life in school. But Corey Ten Boom grew up in a Christian family and she survived the Holocaust, although the rest of her family did not. And even though her family, um, they were a Dutch family, but because they were, they were hiding Jews in their home, And their neighbor told the Nazis that they were hiding these Jews. So even though Corey's family uh, were Dutch, the whole family was taken to the concentration camps. Interestingly enough, the Jewish family that they had been hiding were not found by the Nazis when they were searching their home. Corey's family was taken anyway, but the Jewish family ended up being rescued by the underground rescue organization, so that family was spared. Now, Corey's father died pretty quickly upon going to the concentration camp because he he was elderly and he was already ill. And so Corey and her sister Betsy here, they were each other's strength during this time. They were each other's support. And Betsy was a little bit older than, than Corey, and she was always encouraging Corey in her, in her faith to stay strong. Um, you know, when you have a sister, sometimes they are your biggest source of encouragement, and that's who Betsy was for Corey. Well, Corey was quite frail and weak and did not survive just the brutal, harsh environment of the prison. She was, she was beaten so often, her body just could not heal, and she ended up passing away. And shortly after Betsy's passing, Corey was released from the prison on a clerical error. She wasn't meant to be released, but she was. But she had already decided at this point what she was going to do with the rest of her life, and that was to travel and tell people of the goodness of God. So she got started, she started speaking in churches, and one day, something remarkable happened right in the middle of a sermon. It was in a church in Munich where I was speaking in 1947 that I saw him. A balding, heavyset man with a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. Memories of the concentration camp came back with a rush. 
the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment of skin. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was standing in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message, Fräulein, how good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there, but since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein, again the hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Still, I stood there in the cold, with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. But you supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Is that not an incredible story? I cannot even fathom forgiveness on this level. And actually, when I hear stories like this, there's a part of me that kind of feels angry. Like there's a part of me that, that doesn't feel great about this because... I feel like 
we're letting the abuser off, right? It kind of feels like, well, the mur- so the murderer gets away with it. That's how it feels to me. But I have to remember, I'm thinking about this in my, my sinful nature. The Christians like to use the word my flesh. My flesh is thinking this way. Because it's me, my sinful nature, trying to come up with a secular solution to trauma and pain. But the thing with forgiveness is, it's a biblical truth. So it's God's idea. It's God's solution to trauma and pain. And don't you know, when it's God's solution, it's going to bring health and wholeness and restoration and healing. It is God's solution. Because the only thing that brings these things is God's forgiveness. And it is designed by its very nature to set us free. That is why it is so important that we have a clear understanding of what forgiveness truly is and what we read about in the Bible. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. In Mark 11, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And Jesus, as he was hanging on the cross in agony, said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. The Bible is clear on God's stance on forgiveness, that if we want his forgiveness, then we must forgive others. But what does that actually look like? And, and I'm really, I was, I was shying away from giving you a bullet point list of this is how you forgive, and this, and then this, and then this, because it's not really a checklist. Forgiveness isn't a checklist that you just check off. It's like, good, I'm done. Forgiveness is more about our hearts being right to God, about our obedience to God. So while there isn't a checklist, there are some shall we say, elements or basics to forgiveness that I want to go over just so we are very, very clear on what forgiveness looks like. The first thing is forgiveness is specific. It's not so much of a, I forgive everyone for everything, forever. I mean, I love, I, you're right out, coming out of the gate with that sentiment. I love that. Let's, let's keep that attitude However, when you forgive someone specifically for something that they did to you specifically, forgiveness gets real at that point. It feels very, very different. So when we are walking through forgiveness, we say the name, Father, I forgive Sally for lying about me. And we speak it out with our mouth. And sometimes, you know what? We have to do this several times, and that's okay. I've been um, 
I, I, many of you know, I like to, I like to go on walks, and it's, it's a good prayer time for me. And sometimes when I'm walking, I can start to think of someone who I'm not really that pleased with. And I'm walking, and, and I start thinking thoughts in my head that they never said and that they never did. But these thoughts are in my head, and they're, they're not very flattering for the person. So that's my cue that I may have something to forgive this person about. So I pray, you know, pray, go through the motions. God, I forgive them. I, their, their debt is canceled. I, I'm not going to think these ugly thoughts of them anymore. And a few steps later, the thought comes back. All right, we're doing this all over again. And sometimes it takes several times. And sometimes every day, you've got to wake up and go through the whole thing again. Don't be discouraged. That does not mean you, it didn't work the first time. It means that we're human and we have emotions. And sometimes it is a process to get past the hurt of what happened. So keep on forgiving. Don't give up. And pray for that person. I'll tell you, it is really hard to stay mad at someone that you're praying and interceding for regularly. It just is. Because prayer changes our heart and aligns us with God. Number two, forgiveness is a precondition for justice. There is this vibe in our culture that Forgiveness somehow contradicts the pursuit of justice. And listen, I get it. I am the justice seeker in my family. You know, every family has one. I am it for my family. And um, I, I do rival Selah quite a bit, though. Selah's given me a run for my money. But I am the justice seeker. I have marched with the farm workers. I did an entire documentary about it. it explaining their their cases of slavery and abuse here in Florida. I have flown to the Dominican Republic. I've talked to children who were sold into the slave trade by their own parents. I've flown to Africa and I investigated child slavery. And I had to look at those child traffickers in the eye. And one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do was forgive these people who were harming children because it just feels so unforgivable. But this is what I knew. If I did not forgive, my pursuit of justice would turn into a pursuit of vengeance. And vengeance is dark. And it's hard to come back from because vengeance fills our heart with anger and hate and bitterness. These are not things of God. It is only through forgiveness that justice can prevail. And that was a tough lesson for me to learn because as I'm having to leave children who are enslaved, and I am so angry about the world, and I'm so angry at these people, God was like, you've got to forgive. I've got them. I've got these kids. They're going to be rescued. But you can't get stuck here. You can't get stuck here. You have to forgive. It is only through forgiveness 
that true justice is found. Number three, forgiveness is spiritual warfare. There's a reason why it is so difficult to forgive. And it's, it's not that we're simply doing something that we just don't want to do. It's actually us forcing our will, telling our will that we are going to align with God's spirit. We are going to align ourselves with God's word. And what happens when we forgive is we bring a piece of heaven down to earth when we forgive. Unforgiveness is an open door in your life for the enemy to mess with. And he will. It is an open door for him to torment your mind, torment your emotion, torment your, your relationships. It is an open door to torment. That is why forgiving is so difficult because the devil has a big plan when we don't forgive, when we refuse to forgive. It is an open door. I thought it was important for me to include things that forgiveness isn't as well because this gives us a better picture. Forgiveness isn't ignoring or pretending an offense didn't happen. It's not living in denial. Forgiveness isn't saying that something is okay. That's why when your kids are apologizing, you know, one, one child's apologizing to another, it's like, I'm sorry for knocking you down. Don't let the other child say, oh, it's okay. Say, I forgive you. Because it's not okay, right? Like, you should not have knocked him down. Say, I forgive you. Forgiveness isn't a release from natural consequences of actions. If you've murdered someone, you're going to prison, right? Like, forgiveness is not going to stop that. It does not stop natural consequences. Forgiveness isn't trusting that person again. Listen, if you've been in a bad relationship that was abusive... Do not trust that person again, right? Forgiveness isn't trusting that person again. Forgiveness isn't dependent on whether or not the other person is sorry. If, if you're waiting for an apology before you extend forgiveness, that's a bad strategy because that apology may never come. Forgiveness isn't feeling like you want to forgive. And this is where people get confused because they think, I've got to feel it. Look what Corey said. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And here's what I've discovered in my own life. The devil is working really hard on keeping us in a place of unforgiveness because forgiveness is designed to set us free. By its very nature, it is designed to set us free. And we asked Heather Taylor, who's, who's a member of our church, she's just so precious, we asked her to share her testimony with us because there's, she has a very big testimony and uh, she so graciously agreed. So we're going to take a few minutes and watch Heather's story.
My name is Heather. Um, I was adopted when I was a baby. I actually have an older brother and I had a younger sister. We were all adopted from different families. Um, I didn't have the best childhood, but I unfortunately, my brother was inappropriate with me along with his friend who was a pastor's son when I was a little girl. Um, I went through a lot of heartache and pain. There was a lot of yelling and screaming in my family. There was wasn't a happy family. I got into a lot of trouble when I was probably around the age of 12 is when I really started acting out. Got into a lot of fights at school, started drinking. My parents ended up separating when I was 13. Um, I was put into the Universal Behavioral Center at the age of 13. While I was there, my brother tried to hang himself when he was on LSD and coke. Thank God he's still alive today. I ended up living on the streets for a while. I've been in crack houses. I've had guns held to my head. I've been in a house where drive-by shootings were occurring at the time. I've been arrested multiple times. I was looking at a 10-year prison sentence. I just, I just felt unwanted. I just felt that I just didn't belong anywhere. I've been raped multiple times. I just let men do whatever they needed to do mentally, physically, it didn't matter. I, I didn't really have a father role model, so I never really had a man in my life that I could count on. My brother wasn't that person either, so there was just no man in my life for that. So I just gravitated to guys just to try and feel that. Since I didn't really grow up in a godly house, I really didn't know much about church. JP went to the sh went to Northwest. It wasn't Northwest when he was a child, but it was another church. So he he wanted to go and just check it out. So we were willing, and we started going to church and going to small group. And it was the women's encounter that really was the part where God started in my life. It was the part where, you know, when you're writing all your sins down and taking that step and putting them on the cross. And I had a real struggle with God because I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and I've had reconstructive surgery on my feet and on my neck. And I've had had a total hysterectomy never to be able to have children. I thought God was punishing me for all the sins that I had done in my life. <laughs> I didn't know till later in life that God wasn't a punishing father, that he was a loving father. I didn't know that. I just, I do now reading scripture and the communication that I, my support system through church and small group and, I mean, it's just amazing. I just, I look at my entire life now, even though I didn't grow up in a God home, and I see where God was trying to reach down to me. He was like, Heather, I'm right here, just grab on. And I just didn't know any better. If I could give advice to anybody that's struggling with betrayal, mistrust, addiction, it is don't give up because trust me 
I know it seems hard. I know it seems gloomy at days because it was not an easy road. But it is a road that you can see the light at the end. You just got to keep pushing through. Don't, don't let your past mistakes not let you move forward by trusting others. Because there are people here that want to help. There are people that encourage you. And there is a God that will love you unconditionally no matter what you do and what you've done. Thank you for that, Heather. Heather was in the first service. That is just such bravery, right? That's hard to do. And like Corey, Heather had a very difficult decision to make. She could either hang on to the hurt and the resentment, the torment and the anger as a result of the abuses that she suffered, or she could choose the path of forgiveness. And as you can see today, not only has she chosen to forgive, she has experienced significance by turning her forgiveness into her testimony. And this is really the next level of forgiveness. She is allowing God to use the absolute hell that she went through to help others be set free. Could I get some quiet ministry music while I'm making one more point about Heather's situation? After Jesus, after his death, after he had died on the cross, there were whispers of reports that some of his disciples had seen him alive alive and well. When his disciple Thomas heard this, he was like, I, I can't. I just can't believe it until I see the scars on his hand. And I don't know that, I don't think Thomas was the doubter that he's painted to be. I just think he was emotionally exhausted. I just think he couldn't allow himself to be let down one more time. And so a week later, Jesus appears to Thomas. And Jesus had just conquered death. Like he could have come in any form he wanted to. In all of his majesty and glory and radiance, levitating to prove that he was God. But he didn't do that. He held out his hands to Thomas and said, Thomas, touch my scar. And that was the moment that Thomas believed. That was the moment he recognized the power of God. Forgiveness is the salve that heals our wounds and your scar is the testimony of God's power in your life. You see, without forgiveness, your wounds will not heal. 
And actually, the world won't know how you healed if you hide your scars. Heather's decided to not hide her scars. But that is the testimony of God's power in her life. So who do you need to forgive today? I don't say that lightly. I know this is hard. I know that there are some deep, deep wounds. But we have to follow the example of Jesus. As the music plays, I want you to just ask God to bring to mind the name of the person. Now, sometimes it shoots into your head right away and you just know, like, yeah, I know, I need to forgive that person. And sometimes we have to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal something to us that maybe happened a long time ago. And just because it's not in our mind right now doesn't mean it's not existing in our emotions. But the Holy Spirit is gentle and loving and will reveal the things that have wounded us. And then he comes in so gently and helps heal. So right now, if you would please stand, I'm going to have you repeat after me. These words, because we're going to do this together. You can do it. Repeat after me, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for forgiving our great debt to you. And I ask for your forgiveness because I have been unwilling to forgive those who hurt me. God, right now, I choose to forgive, name the person. I am telling my emotions to line up with your spirit. I release them from this debt. I won't hold on to bitterness any longer. I forgive them now, and I choose to forgive them every day until this burden is lifted off my chest. Amen. Now, I'm going to pray for you. Father God, I stand in agreement with everyone who has forgiven their debtor today. May their minds be released from torment. May their bodies be healed. May their emotions be healed. May their spirit no longer be wounded. Father God, bring your healing oil right now. Cover their head. And may their scars be their testimony of your greatness in their life. In Jesus' name.